guys ready up there? Hi, and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella. I'm a producer and WFT board member. On 20th of July, Women in Film and Television Ireland hosted a very special event, Greater Later, Building Sustainable Careers. This event was supported by Screen Ireland. The series of talks celebrated the remarkable achievements of women in the industry who have found success often later in their careers. We delved into a case study of the film Sunlight with director Claire Dix and writer Alva Kyogen. Equal part funny and honest, this discussion saw us delve into the creative process behind this thought-provoking film, as well as the challenges and triumphs they faced in bringing their vision to the screen. start talking about the film it might be interesting to talk a bit to you both about your career journeys and um, how you get to this point here so maybe Claire I'll start with you um yeah so I did communications in DC a long time ago and I uh, wanted to be a writer and uh then discovered Vim Vendors in college and went, no, actually, that's what I want to do. I don't think I'd ever seen like an art house film until I saw Paris, Texas and went, oh my God, that's what I want to do. And got really into photography there and writing. And then after that, I started working in TV, in RT and independent productions. And then I went back to, but then I kind of, because that's where the work was at the time. That's the easiest work that I could find actually. And then I was like, no, no, I, what I want to do is film. So I went and did an MA in the Northern Media School in Sheffield Hallam University and specialised in writing and directing. And then after that, it was very focused. Then once I came back here, I was like, okay. And actually, I thought I might stay in the UK, but then I got offered some work here, so I came back. And I just got very focused, wrote, like, tons of short film scripts and was lucky enough to get, like, a Film Ace Award, a Cork Film Centre Award, and then went on to do stuff with Film Board at the time. And... Um, and then I started working at Dublin Community Television. Uh, I don't even know if they exist anymore. I don't know if anyone did any work with them, but they were kind of amazing. And um, I had a really bad experience actually working for a TV production. I got very badly bullied. I totally lost my confidence. I just kind of went, right, I can't do this anymore. And I just kind of didn't know what to do. And the producer I had worked with in the past was like, no, no, why don't you do something small with this, with these guys, the television station? just to kind of build yourself back up again because I don't know if anyone's been bullied in the workplace yeah. but it is you just can't, I couldn't go on like it was awful mm. so that was great that one producer I worked with she was great and she was kind of encouraging that so went and did a few series with that um, station and I got really inspired by the way they work because it's all about socially engaged arts practice so it's all about like the process of making something and the process of working with the contributors when you're doing the documentary is as important as the end product, which is not the way I ever worked before. And that's not the way any of the broadcasters want you to work. Or that's not the way you're kind of taught how to work. But that for me was really inspiring because um, I kind of did have a few kind of issues, I think, with some of the factual programming I was working on about like the attitudes that some, you know, people I was working with had towards the contributors. I kind of thought was a bit disrespectful and the community television work was just amazing and through that I made Broken Song I met the people who I made Broken Song with and um, that's how we made Broken Song and that was a feature documentary that the Arts Council funded through the Real Arts Scheme and um, 
then I went on to make another film with the Arts Council and then I took a bit then I had a family so everything just stopped <laughs> for a long time and um then Alva approached me I knew Alva just as a friend anyway and then Alva sent me a treatment for a short film and I kind of thought I love short film but I think I want to kind of move on a little bit but I read that and went no I have to make this film it's absolutely beautiful so I was taking swimming and then from there we developed yeah, some taking swimming was with Barry as well yeah. and Rasheen so we just yeah. knew we wanted to work together yeah. again yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then I, I, I'd always wanted to make a feature and I just um I think a big issue for me my whole career has been just yeah that imposter thing not having confidence not thinking I'm good enough to do anything which I was so stupid so um but meeting you was a major turning point for me because I think you you know you such strength in your character and what you do such belief and that was really inspiring to me and I kind of I always think Claire is the worst self-esteem I'm like Claire Claire cop on cop so anyway yeah and then we just said we really wanted to work together again really wanted to work with Barry again we just had a lovely experience making that tour mm. it was really positive positive. and Rashi um, it's a pity she's not here because yeah she's part of our group is called Six Tits because sometimes yeah. uh, <laughs> like, for the funding we'd be like we have six tits I was getting my phone <laughs> I was getting my phone fixed one time in a phone shop I was like shoot yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, so the three of us and Barry in fairness, like he's kind yeah. of in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, we were gonna so, amend it to the sixties. No, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> so um and we just felt like no, you know, this is a lovely way to work and very collaborative and I think just I have to start early in something and chip away, chip away. I can't do the whole, you know, you know, dead. I don't know. I mean, so we just the way we worked, we all it, we just clicked. Yeah. So we heard POV was coming up, and we said, "Let's go for it." And we were lucky enough to get it. Yeah. So yeah. Brilliant. And you can certainly see. I think you can see Broken Song in sunlight. Just, just elements mm. of, that you know that. Well, Narian shot a lot yeah. of Broken Song, and we brought over a lot of the way we shot that over to sunlight as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. And Alba, do you want to? The, the career thing yes please well, I came at it really arseways because <laughs> I was a barmaid in Whelan's for like the guts of a decade so <laughs> that was my 20s <laughs> and, and what I found I was doing a lot was getting drunk and talking about my writing until one day I was so fucking sick of myself talk drunkenly I just gave up drink for 14 years and that helped enormously <laughs> <laughs> and I took a job on the ferries I don't know if you've been on the ferries you go over and back twice a day you work 12 hour shifts so I used to do a week on where I'd write after my 12-hour shift and then you get a week off and I'd go to a and b somewhere and like edit what I'd written and I wrote a novel that way and like it was a weird little novel and I sent it to Kirsten Sheridan because she was the only female director in my vista and she um, didn't get back uh, for about, I'd say, two years. So in that time, I thought, oh, Jesus, I'm not going to be a writer. I better get a real job. I went and did a master's in interaction design. Hey, computers, don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I set up an interaction design. Co- like, I was so far away from my true self. I was so miserable. And then I got a voicemail from Kirsten Sheridan literally about two years later going, I've read your book. Sorry, it's taken me so long. Um, and she just... So she wasn't volunteering to direct it. What she was doing, which is what I try and pass on now when I mentor other people, is she said, I just... She said, I'll meet you for a coffee. And, and maybe talk about how I might introduce you to Screen Ireland. So she was literally just just being sound and generous. And I think a couple of people have mentioned her already, like, this is what I think needs to happen. And women are very good at it, is bringing the next generation up. 
So she brought me to the film board um, and they said, we definitely don't want to make this book. It's really weird and and creepy. But have you any other ideas? And I was like, well. And I literally had come with a comedy, a thriller, a historical romance. Like I wanted the 12 grand so badly because I thought this is my chance. I'm never going, I've no film connections. I I mean, the arts into Kerry. I thought this is my chance. I have to get this grant. And so... I found that Screen Ireland, and I know I can give out about them not responding to my emails, and I think we've all been guilty of that charge uh, and using more than one profanity, but they but they actually did take me on board and take a chance on me. And the best thing they did for me as a young writer is give me a script editor because, like, Mark McElroy basically, the patience of a saint, talked me through Run and Jump. And he was like, okay, what about the inciting incident? I, I was like... What? And he was like, oh my God, uh, yeah, climax. I mean, you know, like, I had no terminology. And he, he talked to me through, he was so good. And I felt what happened then with Take Me Swimming is in getting my first feature made, I felt like I had a gap in my knowledge and I really wanted to make a short because I really, I love short films. Like I just love, I watch hundreds of them for Kiff. I just love them. And I, so I went, so I went backwards and decided to make a short after the feature because, and that's when I met the lads for the Sunlight team. Brilliant. Yeah. And then with Sunlight, can you talk about where did the story come from? How did the, where did it originate? What was the start? Well, it did come from, my mum was very sick and she was a terrible sick person. She, she got sick and died within 10 weeks. So it was very, very sudden. And she was the most, we used to call her Benjamin Button. She was <laughs> aging backwards. Um, she had nine bikinis like she was hilariously just aging backwards and she was just going through this late blossom in life and then she got lung cancer and she just hated being sick so much and I thought god if mum asked me to help her could I do it and then I thought oh no mum would never ask me to help her because she's a mum and she wouldn't ask me to take that risk she'd probably ask someone else and then I then as I was thinking about that we heard this podcast with this exit guide in the states and that's her job she goes and helps people exit on their own terms and she doesn't do any of the action like all she does is hold her hand and sit there but I thought it was a lovely I don't know terrain to mine because I feel like one of the best bits of advice I got about before committing yourself to a feature script which could take up like five years of your life is don't know the answer before you write it like try and try and not know try and write about something you're not sure about and but I can say now after sunlight I'm very pro-choice in terms of ending life like a, you know I've just yeah because with Take Me Swimming I think we were kind of like what are we are we saying we, we are we're yeah, not and we weren't yeah. sure but but now I know and I think that's because yeah and I've seen my dad just go through a massive stroke and he like asked me to take him to Switzerland I'm like yep I've had all research I can do that in the morning <laughs> and so I got him the Dignitas brochure and I had a whole trip to yeah yeah and then Jesus. and then I said you know it's about four months meaningful engagement dad with psychology I trust me need to I said I couldn't be fucking arsed <laughs> so, so I think that's what's with, with writing a feature it's going to take four or five for me I'm not fast so four or five years minimum and so yeah, I think it's nice to not know the answer when you set out and try and yeah so it did it came from mum I suppose yeah and so were you, did you come on at the very early stages of development of the script yeah so I mean we knew we wanted to work together again that's where it all kind of started and Alva had a few different ideas I'm quite needy as a writer I think Claire's like fucking write it Alva <laughs> what about I, know, I love talking <laughs> yeah, about it yeah so. Well, I mean, I like working like that as well. And I think and Barry, um, was, and Barry, Barry, was, Barry was on before the whole thing was even Because it was written, written for you know? him. So he yeah. said, I don't think Leon would say that. And I said, well, what would he say? And we did development days with yeah. Roshi, me, Claire. And, you know, Barry, Barry yeah. we rented a wheelchair and he, you know, he pushed me around town and we rented a flat in the Liberties. And we just, 
you know, yeah. just, yeah, yeah, I like develop. It's very lonely being a writer sometimes. Sometimes it is nice to have a team. Yeah, like so I would have read, editors. like, a lot of early stuff and, you know, but I'm not going to go, oh, don't do this. It was just nice, I suppose, just to talk about things no, more than anything, had, really. No, we had the kind of democracy, because oftentimes as a writer, I think two, here, here are my two options. I'm actually okay with both of them. So then you're really glad when someone comes in with a, a decisive voice and goes, no, no, definitely the first. And that could have been Rashing. Sometimes mm. me and you would be, and we'd say, Rash, what do you think? Yeah. She's a really creative producer. Yeah. And we let her call it. You know, so sometimes having a trio is really handy for, mm. you know, there always being a, a majority in the room. And like I'd never directed anything I hadn't written or that hadn't come from me before Take Me Swimming. Yeah. So that was a really interesting thing for me to do, actually, because I think... And it was really great to do. I don't know if anyone is doing that, making that jump from like, you know, directing your own stuff to then directing something someone else has written. But I think maybe with Take Me Swimming, I was nearly too, I can't touch the script, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so it was really nice to then kind of (laughs) to molest sunlight. (laughs) But just to kind of go, well, no, you you obviously, your, your job is to, you know, able to change things and ask some que- ask questions and Marco Halloran because the good thing about the POV and I really just I so believe in mentorship schemes they're really valuable if they're done properly and they're healthy work and relationship they're so valuable but Marco Halloran was my script editor my, my mentor and he was so good you know he was so generous and it's really I find as a writer because I know I'll never direct because I can't cope with the stress of directing whereas you you thrive on this the, mm. being on set I can't cope in my gut oh, and you thrive so that's like I'll always have to find collaborations and it's like I just collaborated with Emma Reynolds another amazing woman like and Steph Green so I find I gravitate towards females because I find they're just natural collaborators and I've had lovely healthy relationships with <coughs> male directors but I don't know there's something very nurturing about mm. Yeah, a lot of my yeah. script editors are female. And, yeah. And so it, it sounds like the project existed in your head before the POV scheme, or, or which came first? No, no. I think no. we wrote, we came up with it for, because we also had the budget of 400,000. Yeah. Well, I know that after Take Me Swimming, I remember you saying, well, there's more story here. So there's definitely more to say about this. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't resolved. I don't think any of those themes were resolved probably in your head, maybe. But I... Yeah. But I, like I, yeah. I have to say, just in th- people have like all the lads. I can't see where they are, Audrey and Julian, everyone. But she said such massive things that really resonated with me because I'm 45 now, and I felt when I started, I was such so such a people pleaser to the point of like giving myself a hernia. Like yes, 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 anything. Like, and now like my biggest ally in my professional life now is no saying, and and it's it's part of knowing your worth, which I think mm. the lads before just said is saying no because sometimes I feel. People think you should say yes, 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 and it's always like next level, next level, next level. But sometimes, actually, where you are is exactly where you should be, and you should plateau for a while and take breath and say, "No, I'm actually okay here." And and I think a, a large part of getting to that peaceful plateau where where the, where the industry isn't disruptive to your bigger self and your bigger life is collab is the people you collaborate with. And like, when he, like you're obviously really talented, but Claire's really kind. Do you know? I'm never going to look down my phone and go to say, "Oh, Jesus, Claire." <laughs> <laughs> that's how I pick a job. Now, that's how I pick whether or not I'll work with someone. It's like you read your gut and you think, "God, I, this, this this person will be in not just my life, but my family's life for the next five years." So, like, are they kind? Are they going to nurture? Like, if you come in one day and haven't got it done because you're a sick child the night before, will they understand? And I think. We're allowed to make decisions like that now because women are naturally intuitive. And I think it's okay to see, you could see a hyper talented individual and just know they're going to be a ball of stress for the entire project. 
and probably maybe not as generous as they could be. And I'd almost rather go with a less, now I've never compromised in talent, but like I'd almost mm. rather pick a less talented team that's kind than a hyper-talented stress ball invading your life. And I, I realise I'm very lucky to be able to pick and choose. Like I re- It took me 12 years to get here. But it mm. is nice to be able to say, I'm not feeling it. Like you've said no's to jobs and like yeah. you've thought, oh, but I should do it. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but should you? Yeah. Well, it's just, I know I, we're probably going way off topic. But no, no, no. Yeah. But I think for the bigger thing for wi- like women, sometimes you feel like you have to say yes. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I think it, I, I was going to, I, like I was talking about that, I think earlier with a couple of people as well. It's, kind of, it's just um, what you've just said so eloquently. But I, 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 what I'd love to come back to, and I'm just you mentioned about bullying, and um, I think it's probably something that a lot of people in this room have experienced. And it's kind of how did you? Part of that is your confidence is knocked right goes drops down mm. into your boots. How did you make your way back from that? Like. Um, yeah so I just stopped and in a way maybe it was a good thing because it did make me stop and go okay do I want to keep going in this you know Mm. track when actually what I would love to work in is fiction and more creative documentary you know and that's kind of where I so in a way it did help me to get out of actually maybe working in an area that I wasn't really suited to anyway Um, so I just I just left the industry for a while that's how I dealt with it Mm -hmm. and then I said there was a producer who I did I had worked with previously on other jobs who um was a very nice person who just kind of would said why don't you try Dublin Community Television for a while and kind of you know and it, just even to get your confidence back and then so that that's that's what I did and it's just time I mean you get I mean look it's not the end of the world I can I get over it but um yeah I think it was just a matter of time and, and then just taking a bit of stock and going well what do I want to do and, and just yeah yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. the lad said it earlier as well like know yourself like it's such mm. a valuable tool like like even like the the rate of production and process on TV versus film like film is definitely much slower and much more forgiving in terms of scheduling not Mm. the actual shoot but the development whereas TV can be like an absolute juggernaut that there's no layup Mm. and you just you know and I think know yourself like do I do well on stress or do I do well on uncertainty like I think these are all really valuable and sometimes it's easy to say that as a 45 year old so I certainly didn't know myself in my 20 so it's it's really hard because you're entering possibly the industry in your 20s but what what asset you have entering late in life is that you know yourself and you've, yeah, and I you've think seen that's, what matters I probably life took a job doesn't. that I wasn't suited to and mm. that's probably why you know in fairness to the other person that is probably why that all happened and I'm probably not suited to that kind of work or wasn't back then anyway but at the time I was like oh I have to say yes to everything and saying yes to stuff that I wasn't even probably qualified to do and take on a project that was you know so and now yeah I'm definitely like I've yeah, I would turn down stuff that I think is just not me or just not right. And and, and for me, a massive thing is is the whole kind of pull between family and career and Ooh. just the way it's wasn't the way I'm bringing up my myself, my partner have, but we've no childcare, we do it ourselves. And it's just a huge factor in any decision I make to do at work, you know, and definitely with, this was the we kind of film we, we kind of, we kind of know when we're working with Keeper films as well. They're very, yeah. very considerate with all that kind of stuff. So, just to be able to work at that pace and just finding the right people, I think that was massive with me. Is like yeah. finding the right collaborators, and it took me a long time to find the right collaborators. But I think finally that has happened. So, um, 
and that that's that's huge because then you'll work you'll find that you know you'll, you'll work better you know yeah. so yeah because we've just started our next project with keeper and it's so exciting because we all know each other now we all have our shorthand and it's it's just really exciting like i don't see why you shouldn't keep working with the same people sometimes we say would you not try other coll- there's so much risk in a new collaboration when you've so much in one you know well if there's still stuff to do with these people then definitely yeah yeah why, yeah. why wouldn't you you know yeah and like another thing is like the whole family like what now it's not for everyone everyone has a different so that's back to know yourself and know what you're able for and like i only work till one o'clock i don't work in the afternoons which sounds really grand but actually you get up at five though i get up at half five so it's myself and my husband like so it's back to no one does it in a vacuum like my so me and my husband have agreed to try and have one one job between the two of us so it's like I like I do the dogs and the, my dad and the kids in the afternoon, the homework, all of that. So he kind of so we kind of job share and, and it kind of works for us. But it, it took about 10 years of us. Like 10 years ago, we decided we're probably not that ambitious in terms of wanting to get to stateside already. Like we're very homebirds. So we're trying to just create this life where we're working like 40 hours a week between the two of us but every now and again because that's the life cycle of a project things get really busy and so he's able to say no go take go to wherever London and take your three days and he'll hold the fort and similarly when he used to go off shooting I hold the fort so there is mm. but like Kenny's the same yeah. like Ken, they're yeah. just it's kind of 50-50 yeah. in terms of childcare house and jobs but that's yeah. that takes a lot of fun to get to that <laughs> <laughs> you know it takes a lot of um negotiations you have to be good communicators to get to that point but yeah. i feel like yeah we've we have something resembling yeah and like i think that's something that you figured out family wise but do you think uh, um the industry is becoming more open to totally. yeah totally like like even in zoom rooms when you're in a writer's room people will just say um, I'm just. I have to leave my phone, and my daughter is just. I'm expecting a call from my daughter. Everybody understands that. No one's like going, oh, Jesus. Like if they are, you're in the wrong writers' room because everyone gets it. Like you're not going to be just chatting away willy nilly about like a soccer result, but like so people just flag it in advance. I have to be just aware that because my daughter or son needs something from me, and I think it's so supportive that way. Like. I don't know, especially because we're doing Zooms and like there's children coming into the room and they're trying to get something and everyone gets it. Everyone yeah, gets yeah. it's imperfect yeah. and you're trying and to balance. And that's with bad sisters, is it? Because like Alva's working obviously yeah. at that level, so you know, if they're that yeah. understanding at that level. Well, I think then. it's because Sharon ran the bad sisters room and she's a mother and trying to multitask and she's sound. And like there was two Americans there for the first season and they were like, oh my God, is this your first writer's room? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, you are so lucky this is your first writer's room because they were coming from L.A., where like the showrunner would have a load of coke running down his nose, oh, <laughs> deranged and like changing ideas oh, and like God. insecure and toxic. They were like they couldn't get over how healthy the room was because Sharon's generous and a mom, and she was just like, okay, who's got a good idea? She's not possessive, you know. She's so it's so yeah. So Merman as a company is full of women, and they all have families and they make it work. And mm. yeah. yeah, yeah, I was um. As part of uh, Sunlight went to the Sydney International Film Festival, and there was we went as part of this Europe Voices of Women in Film. And I remember I was on like a few panels. I was on Zoom panels, and a lot of the questions were about like you know what the industry is like, and a lot. And most of the filmmakers there had kind of negative stories about you know. No, I know I was talking about bullying thing, but that was about that's like over ten years ago, like um or more, and um 
But I was really happy to say, actually, oh, we had a fantastic experience with the production of this film. Like there was no, and maybe because it was a very young crew, a lot of young men on the, you know, there was no kind of, I never felt like, oh, being questioned because I was a female director, I never felt undermined. You yeah. Know? So I was, I was the only actual director in that whole group of female directors to have a positive yeah. which is often in one sense but I do think our, you know, we are doing it? something yeah like I do it. find now, again this Ireland is a very is obviously micro budget film so I don't know what it's like if you're at a very big level maybe things are different then when there's a lot of money at stake and there's, but I do think you know I was really proud to be able to say that actually you know it was very positive for me you know in that respect so like, the most kind of sexist thing that's ever happened to me is a fella approach me um, and said oh, we've got this film, it's kind of shit, you know, like, it's kind of Hallmark kind of shit, but, like, could you, like, make it maybe a bit more, like, not shit? I was like, wow! Oh, my God. Uh, No. So he was trying to talk between the lines of me, like, it's a real woman's flick, we know it is, we'll know you know it is, but could you make it a bit sassier and smarter? And I was like, no, 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 and would you ever approach a man and think, here's a shit project, do you want to make less shit? Like, it was just, I thought the whole thing was just the way I silent up, and was like, oh, that was, but that's, that's, that's not bad. That's the extent of my bruising, and that's, that's not true. even a bruise. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I found people in the Irish film industry have been so generous and yeah. so nurturing, and it's really, really hard when you have no entry in. Like, how do you even get your first? Like, if you don't go through the college, like, how do you get your first go at it? And it, you have to just hopefully meet the right people, or that someone will take a chance. And, and I do think Irish people do that for. Like I said, there's yeah. so many people here who have been mentored. Or have mentored, mm. and it's really, it's really helpful. Yeah, I think it's particularly when, uh, when you're coming up from the country, you're not from Dublin. I think sometimes yeah. that can make it hard too. Yeah. Did you find that? Or yeah. Well, other than I wouldn't have, I don't know what would have happened if Christian Sharon had introduced me to the film board. And I have to say, in favour of Andrew Meehan, who was in the film board at the time, he actually went to the bother of reading my novel because they were all worried that as a first-time writer they'd never heard of that I was going to write a schmaltzy romance. And they said, no, no, Andrew was able to say in that meeting, no, I've read her book, she, I, she won't. I really don't think she won't. So, like, you have people going above and beyond to vouch for you, and they're putting their name on the line there. And to this day, I'm still in touch with Andrew. Yeah. Like, he's such a, he's lecturing in film over and, and writing novels. But, um, yeah, so people do go the extra mile, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, You've kind of answered all the questions. <laughs> In a very roundabout, <laughs> messed up way. Yeah. 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 Any more sunlight questions? Sorry, we probably took an off piece no. of it. Um, I was going to ask, do you have any, uh, like, what is next for you? You're working on Bad Sisters. I'm doing Trespasses is my passion project. It's I don't know, has anyone read the Louise yeah. Kennedy? Mm. So I, I was, I've never wanted a job more. I really fought for it, but I'm doing a four-part adaptation of Trespasses for Channel 4. Yeah, yeah, and it's a beautiful book. If you haven't mm. read it, it's total page-turner. You'd read it in two days. or It's lovely. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And for you? Yeah, and just uh, wrapping up on um, a documentary for RTE on deaf education, so how looking at kind of around the country at deaf children in in education at the moment and we're in we development we're starting on a new um feature now as well so and with, yeah. which, which is so interesting because some of the lads are here from keeper i don't know where the lads are but yeah. the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Katie. but we we have the rights to this karen russell short story 
but we what we are doing now is doing this excessive discussion, and this is driven by needy writer here before I start, to try and land on the tone. Because it's such a weird mm. tone. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird story, but in a good way. In a, in a, yeah. in a great way, but it's kind of a little bit hard to genreify it. And, and so this, that's, that's one of the nicest parts of that early collaboration. But I need, it's almost like I need Claire to, to guide me and then I'll guide her. And so we're doing this, we're watching, I'm loads, watching loads of films I never would have watched because we're trying to land on this tonal comp or a few of them that we mm. can use as kind of comparisons. Um, so we're really excited about that. Yeah. That it's, but the writing's kind of in in autumn, where it was meant to be July. But I'm like, oh, I can't. I have to watch more films. Um, yeah, I actually do have a sunlight related question Go as on. well. But the score is very unique mm. on that. Um, can you talk a bit about the score? And yeah, yeah. so um, that's thanks to COVID actually, because we were supposed to shoot in 2020, August 2020, but then we got pushed by a year exactly. And in that space of time, so Leon in the film is, is a musician, but he's kind of like an unschooled, like, is he talented? Is he not? Is he kind of shit? Is he okay? Kind of musician. Mm. Um, and he sort of makes sounds out of anything that he can find. Mm-hmm. And um, so Seamus Fogarty is a musician based in London, but from Psycho, isn't he? Mm-hmm. We asked him to to score the, or to create music for Leon's final piece. So the very last scene in the film is, is Leon's kind of last kind of tribute to Ivor and Seamus wrote that. But Barry and himself spent a year in Barry's shed basically coming up with lyrics. With a keg. I think they're <laughs> actually got a keg. And in that, so over that year, they'd be sending me stuff and uh, they sent it to you as well, did they? They uh, sent it to yeah, all of us? Yeah, they'd send it at 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Here's the version. Christmas hit. Oh, like, oh my God. <laughs> and you'd be saying yes, no, yes, no. But there's about an album's worth of music. They're definitely <laughs> there, you know. So, but that end track in particular, obviously, um, was very um, instrumental. And then in how, so Stephen Shannon and Matthew Nolan are composers and they took actual stems out of a lot of the, those tracks and then elaborated on them and wrote the score so the, the brief was like if Leon wrote the score what was good <laughs> you know what would he come up with so that's where that came from yeah, yeah. and I love the Ivor Ivor you still own the Ivor you own the Ivor yeah great <laughs> that's all very <laughs> um, I think we've five minutes left so I'm going to throw some questions at us yeah just you've also have a lot of different projects going on but you've also talked about saying no um, I'm just wondering like how do you like manage your own schedules to make sure that you don't kind of over you know promise on something or how do you work on multiple projects at the same time and coordinate yeah. yourself I'm not really working on multiple projects at the moment well, well well sorry I probably am but they're all at different stages so I suppose as I would come to a production yeah, I'd yeah. only be on one and then the others just have to kind of wait yeah. but um, at the moment like I'm finishing up one documentary but it's in post and it's very very like we've just picture a lot well we're waiting for her to get back to us so we haven't pictured her actually, sorry. <laughs> and um and then you know development with this and then I have very early stages of another thing so you know it's just that's very manageable and I kind of like that actually because yeah, I think if I'm, I'm in one project too much it's just kind of a bit you get a bit obsessive and break but I do yeah. know the answer to that because I at one point had eight projects oh my god and it was just and I went to the doctor and I I, I just have bad gut and I was just this gnawing stress like stress doesn't suit me and I really believe it's carcinogenic and she said Alva it would be so it's so much harder to say no than to throw an extra vitamin in the pile like just and so now I've three and that's my max and like I've talked to Charlotte Kelly who's my agent who really listens to my long term aims like she knows like you know I've got 
I need a child and I'd say to her at any point I might take a six month sabbatical if that child needs me to and so three is probably my max uh, but and I think three you can work on um, and so like now I say to people I'm not working till 2024 or whatever and if they want to wait they will but I'm okay if they don't wait I'm really okay if they don't wait I don't expect anyone to wait it actually puts pressure on you if you think they're waiting for you you're almost like it's easier to say no and so I think three is healthy um I did a job for Alex, I did not a job, an uh, internship or what would you call it, a men- I was a mentee of Alex Garland and he said, oh put all your eggs in one basket and just love the project and I was oh like, well, if you're broke <laughs> <laughs> and you're getting like 1,000 to rewrite to, to do a polish, like you can't live on one project. So like that's a real luxury to be able to just have one project and I, I don't know who really gets to do that, mm. th- three maybe is. Yeah, well I also months. lecture part time during the academic year. And that really has been the reason I've been able to maybe say no to stuff that I feel, okay, that's maybe not me and I won't do a great job on that. And it's probably not, you know, because then I, I know I have, well, I can, I'm not going to be out of money like I have that other job. So that's been very helpful to me. Yeah. There's something to be said for a regular income. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone else have? Just, yeah, my experience, because I lived in America for over 20 years, so that whole experience of filmmaking over there is very different. I'm Can so imagine. impressed and really just comforted by hearing all this wonderful collaboration in every aspect in Ireland. I think it is pretty unique, and it's certainly not, you know, the norm in, in some of the circles over there. There's that real pressure to, oh, get the big names, do this, you know. It's very commercially driven all the way. And it's not, not that people can't, you know, you have to eat and you have to survive, but to have it driven by the, the passion, the art and the creativity and the collaboration that can come and more can come from creative people working together than working against each other yeah. in competition. Yeah, yeah. And it's just been brilliant to know that I moved back here for kind of some of that reason to be part of here and for a sick parent as well. But it was, um, it's just been really wonderful to hear that it is happening here and yeah. it is pat yourselves on the back. It's just wonderful to, to see yeah, that that's yeah. the direction it's going on yeah. here. And then out of that comes just wonderful work, you know? And like you said, working and saying no and knowing how yeah. to handle situations in a way that's dignified. And I, I'm with you, working with people who are kind, that's the, you know, it's definitely the currency that I want to live my life in. So therefore, I want to work in it. I don't want my life and my work to be so separated that I can't have any integrity about mm. how I do it. And it's just, it's great if you can bring that into your creative life and then find a way to make a living and eat food and have a yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's always nice too. Yeah. It is hard. Yeah. The work and also, balance. I suppose yeah. this is, I mean, not to put a dampener on that, because that's obviously great that it's been inspiring, but this is very low budget as well. So I re- yeah. and I, that's my first experience. I mean, I've only worked in really micro, small budgets. So I don't know what it's like when you go, you know, maybe then it's just inevitable that <laughs> the, pre- the other pressures are there and you need to, you have to have the big name and all the rest. So I, I yeah, hopefully we can continue well, I mean, and get more money. Yeah. It's nice to see compassion and kind of yeah. collaboration. Yeah. You had a question? Hey, I'm Johanna. Um, I want to say I totally agree with you. It's so nourishing over here in the arts. I lived in London for 10 years and so aggressive. But I want to ask, how do you find your actors? How did we find them, is it? Yeah, so, well, Barry, um, did you know Barry before Take Me Swimming? Yeah, he, he yeah. So, yeah, because I think, I think when I, we yes. 
sorry. Yeah, sorry. We even to say the thing that... <laughs> no, but, yeah. So he, That's so I would have met Barry on Take Me Swimming on the short film we made together and just, I mean, he just blew me away with the, the commitment to the, the, I couldn't believe the kind of the preparation he went into for a short film. I just was so impressed. I was like, God, I would love to work with him again. And we just got on really well anyway as friends. Um, and then it was all through Amy Rowan, then the casting agent. So she would have um, found us, well, together. We, I mean, again, she would have, you know, suggested loads of people and we would have met lots of people. That process was very long because the way I like to work and it's probably driven by a lot of the doc stuff I've done. I don't really like to do a lot of, um, like we'd no rehearsals. Like it was just a table read and a lot of chats, a lot of getting to know each other, a lot of act, you know, and then just... Um, a lot of discussion about the character um, like Barry had a whole year to research to, to make music as Leon um, and I was talking to Carmel Winters about that and she was like that could have been a really bad idea and I was like yeah could, actually that could have gone yeah, that he lost have... a tooth and everything he was delighted he's like, and I was going to say to him is there anything you can do about your teeth and then he arrived with a tooth missing actually but I, I presume it was already missing you know? <laughs> It's not going to say anything. It's amazing, um, but uh, so yeah. So so I. That's the way I kind of like to work, and then just kind of whatever then happens is you know is what we have you know because I don't really like doing loads of takes, and actually Barry doesn't like doing loads of takes either. So that was kind of so it it has a rawness to it. If you've seen it, it is quite rough and ready. But that was I think it all came from who Leon was as a character as well. It was kind of driven by that sort of energy, that kind of you know, roughness, rawness, it kind of went through all the different, you know, he's on sound really. Yeah. How did you come to that kind of way of working? I've never heard somebody doing it that way. Um, probably because it was micro budget and people don't really care. <laughs> and there's a lot of freedom there. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we would have discussed all that with all the producers and, mm. you know, with Blinder at the time, we were in a keeper and with Screen Ireland. And, you know, that was all, it was all okay. And, you know, one had a issue with it. And I, I knew Narian as well, who shot it, was loves working like that. So it was about that, the fact that that core team was all happy to work like that. I suppose that, that was, that was key. Cause Narian, the way Narian lit it as well was in such a way that the actors could kind of move anywhere in the scene and they'd be lit. And, now they were tiny, like, I mean, they were real rooms and houses, so they weren't big anyway, but, you know, so we kind of knew we had that freedom and he could move around and, you know, um, yeah. And also, so we, designed really, like that, we like, really fought for Liam Carney because yeah, we we, did. He, he deserves yeah. a leading role yeah. and he was, he was the right audition. Yeah. And yeah. I've been in a lot of casting meetings where your heart just goes out to people trying to, try, like an emerging actors, acting to, because the... Everyone wants financeable talent, and the list of financeable talent in Ireland is is tiny. You could literally name, you could you can guess within eighty percent who they're going to suggest. Whereas it's so exciting with a low budget because you take get to take a risk on emer- not, I'm not emerging talent. Like Liam's not emerging, but he's but he hasn't ever had that kind of starring role, and that's what's so exciting is, I think when when you have low budget, you haven't got people suggesting stars that have financeable draw but aren't suited to the role. And mm. that does happen a lot. What would you have done if you had double the budget? 
Where would that extra We would have had an underwater sequence of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. we didn't need it. Actually, when we cut it down, we were yeah, like, oh, we would have shot it. We didn't though. have the budget. We would have, we would have shot it. Though. We would have had loads more horses. We would have closed and a big street, like summer, like or yeah. Um, Your mum wouldn't be doing street. the crocheting. My mother wouldn't have been doing the Your crocheting. Your dad would have been doing no, the crocheting. He wouldn't have been doing the engraving. <laughs> um, Everyone was called in. Like, and yeah. I think Patricia, you said that. Like, you just have to. You call on family and friends, and they're yeah. delighted to do it. Yeah. But they won't do it again. You've yeah. won. You've yeah. won. I yeah. think we have to actually that was one thing I liked about that as well is that it works for the budget you do, you know and mm. you worked within those parameters and you, I think sometimes if you try to do something it just it doesn't work you yeah. know yeah. yeah um so I think we have to wrap up here okay. um thanks so much thank you thanks for having us thank you If you would like to support the work we do, become a member of WFT.ie or you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash WFT Ireland.